0: of Christ. I know we have several that are uh, participating on live stream today. We welcome you. Uh, weather forecast for 5 o'clock this afternoon is about 38 degrees, so we're planning on kids singing at 5 o'clock. Hope all of you can be with us at that time. We do have several who are out due to virus problems, uh, strep throat, flu, COVID, and, and we wish all of them a speedy recovery. Uh, leading us in our singing this morning will be Brother Jordan Coates. Brother Todd Swinney will have the opening prayer. Chris Langley, the scripture reading. Brother Ken Forrest has the lesson. Brother J.T. Beard will lead us as we have deserved the Lord's Supper. And Brother Jerry Barrett is scheduled for announcements and the closing prayer. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can assemble today to worship Thee. We pray that all that we do would be pleasing in Your sight. We pray Your special blessings to be upon Brother Forrest as he shares Your Word with us. We pray for those who are suffering due to illness. We ask for speedy recovery. It is your will we ask for an end to this pandemic. We pray that all we do today would be pleasing in your sight. We ask that you would uh, keep those who are traveling safe. We love you, Father. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen.
1: Morning. First song this morning will be "God Is Love." Come, let us all unite to sing, "God is love." song and praise. Father, we're so thankful for your church here at Boonville and its many members. Father, we ask to continue to be with the elders here and, and lead and guide and direct them and help them to lead us in a manner that would be pleasing unto thee. Father, we ask you to be with Brother Ken this morning and that he might have a ready red of the message he wants to deliver and help us to listen attentively and apply it to our lives. Father, we have many of our number that are sick, that are, have up, upcoming surgeries and those that have lost loved ones. Father, we ask that you comfort them as only you can. Father, we ask that you forgive us for where we have failed thee and continue to lead, guide, guard, and direct and protect us. It's through Jesus Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Imitation song after the lesson this morning will be, My Eyes Are Dry. song before the lesson will be, If That Isn't Love.
2: <laughs> he let this land Yeah.
3: Day comes from the second Corinthians uh, chapter one verses twenty-one through twenty-four. And Paul writes to the Corinthians, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us in God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Moreover, I call God as a witness against my soul, that to spare you I came no more to Corinth not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand.
2: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Wasn't that a great song we just sang? And I assure you that what Jesus did, he did because of his love for us. And it's on the basis of that great love and his sacrifice that, well, I'm going to heaven. Are you? I look forward to it. So today, wow, we've got the snow coming down, and it might be that some of you are home live streaming because of the snow. And actually, I'm thinking that now that we have a dusting on top of the grass, that if you included the space that the grass is holding up with the snow. We've got about four inches right now. So we're excited about the blizzard of 22. (laughs) But if you if you stayed home for safety, um, great. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again real soon. And for others that are sick, I know that there are just so many right now who have been diagnosed with the virus and Uh, other things that are going around and we just we sympathize with you we know you'd rather be here than at home watching it on television and to you we also say we look forward to seeing you again real soon today we're going to talk about contesting the will but I assure you the will that we are contesting is our own will that is not an easy task So today, I just want to reassert what is God's will. We'll be taking that from this text here today. But before we start, let's pray to God that he'll bless us in our time of worship in his word today. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the blessing and the privilege it is to be able to come here to worship you in spirit and in truth. We're thankful, Father, for brothers and sisters who have assembled and who through their participation in worship have already encouraged us and built us up. And we just celebrated in song the sacrifices of your son. And we see in that so much how he loves us. I pray, Father, that our lives are going to reflect just how much we appreciate it. Lord, I ask that you'll help us today as we're studying your word together, that we will hear what you're saying to us. We'll know that you are God, that you establish and anoint, you seal and guarantee. You make possible our spiritual perfection, although we are fraught with, sin and mistakes continually we're thankful that jesus makes it possible that we can be pure in your sight and so lord help us to be able to align our will with your purposeful permanent and powerful will forgive us father when we're falling short of that but as we're in your word, I just pray it will become evident and that we'll make the changes that we need to make in Jesus name. Amen. I hope this has never happened to you, but if you've been in the church very long, it probably has. And that is that, and also if that thing goes on long enough, it begins to affect other people. Maybe rumors get started falsehoods begin to spread. That thing catches on like wildfire. And then before you know it, people in the church are taking up sides. Some people with you, others with the person that you're having the conflict with. Boy, that thing can get really, really nasty and hurt the church. If that happened to you or is happening to you, Know that you're not the first one that's ever experienced something like that. And as we see in these verses, the Apostle Paul was in the midst of one of those kinds of stripes. Don't know with whom exactly, but Paul was dealing with some folks that he just could not get along with. In fact, it had become so serious that Paul decided he wasn't going back to Corinth. Now, you might not be able to imagine that. Sometimes we're able to deal with people that we have problems with and we just maybe just put a lid on it or we bite our tongue and we go on. I've known of situations in my own experience where there were brethren who sat on the same pew who never said a word to each other because of something that had happened. I'm not talking about something that had happened as they came through the door. I'm talking about something that had happened 20 or 30 years ago. Conflicts can really stretch our relationship to the limit. But more than that, spiritually, it can not only fracture us personally, but it results in a fracture with with God. So as much as Paul was frustrated, had decided that for the good of everybody he wasn't going to show up in Corinth, probably because since the strife existed and the rumors and the falsehoods were flying, that he wouldn't be effective in working there. So I'm reminded that there are times when we need to just step back and remember something important, that we need to be certain that in our own mind, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. We need to be sure that our spiritual house is in order. And so when we have these little conflicts, when we say things without thinking about it, when we're hurt by something that someone says, we need to be as quick as we can to see to it that our relationship is healed. Or maybe even to the greatest degree as Paul experienced, even seeing to it that, if necessary, separation takes place for the good of the body. Now, here in this text... I can't help but be reminded of something that Jesus said. Jesus himself, not that he had a conflict with the Father at all. No, they're one and together and everything. But there did come that moment, you know, in the incarnated condition as Jesus is facing Calvary, that he goes to the Father in prayer with seemingly an agenda. Luke chapter 22 and verse 42 captures the notion where Jesus is praying and he says, Father, if it is possible, if it is literally your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You can talk, if you want to, about the theological implications of what is, as much as could be, a conflict in that moment between the Father and the Son that was resolved simply because Jesus said, your will be done. I can't help but think also that in terms of our own relationships, we're human, we make mistakes, and... Maybe it's hard to resolve things simply because, and we wouldn't want to admit this, but simply because maybe we're too prideful. Our feelings get in the way or we think that we have to assert our rights. But let me say this too, that when it comes to our relationship with God, there is only one will that should prevail. And that is His Will. So today we're going to examine that a little bit. Be sure that we're on the right side in this relationship with our God. Now understand that God's will is one of purpose. One of purpose. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ is God. I want to break that apart. Let's take the first with the last. There are a lot of extraneous things, and we'll look at those here in a moment, but I just want to put this thing together and let's not forget this most important primary point. And that is, He is God. <laughs> you know, when when we want to, I don't know, when we want to assert our rights, please do not forget the main thing. He is God. And so so what it is that he has to say is the thing. Now, we may have hard time sometimes wrapping our minds around what God wants us to do. Peace. I, I get that. And we'll have debates among ourselves exactly what is the best course. But don't ever forget the fact that when all the dust settles, he is still God. So what he has to say matters. Now, I say that because I know how men typically are. Men are typically situational. That is, they do what they do based on the situation that they face. Even so far as to justifying actions that otherwise would be counted as wrong as sin, simply because we say, well, this situation justifies it. Men are very much situational. Understand, please, that God is not situational. God is purposeful. God's intentions from the very foundation, from the before the foundation of the world, were put into place and they have not wavered. God's purposes do not ever, ever change. So with regard to those purposes, I, I'm thinking with you today about the thing that we most often think about spiritually and that's the matter of the gospel whether we take it at its heart in the death burial and resurrection of jesus which we remember as we come together we we participate in a memorial surrounding his death or it's more in terms of our salvation when we're thinking about the death, burial, and resurrection as seen in baptism. However, we want to quantify certain aspects of what the gospel means to us, the fact is that the gospel remains. It stands. It, it just doesn't change. And its purposes are founded in a couple of different things. One would be freedom, freedom from sin, and the other would be deliverance. Okay, so I'm free and now I want to you know, I want to move my station away from sin to be serving and living for Jesus. Now, as regards the freedom that I enjoy, look, it came at a great cost. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 says that our sins were washed away in his own blood. So we talk about the sacrifice of Jesus, and sometimes we've listened to the gruesome details and the resultant agony on the cross and the shedding of blood. We can get wrapped up in the trauma of it all, but please understand that that had a purpose, the shedding of the blood of Jesus, so that the sins of all the world, not just the sins in Jesus' time or those who were the perpetrators Of his death but those who had come before in faith and those who would come after even unto this time on the ragged edge of history here we are the blood of Jesus still reaches us Jesus can still wash our sins away in his own blood that blood was shed in a great deal of suffering on our behalf first Peter chapter 2 beginning verse 21 For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow His steps. Who committed no sin, no was deceit found in His mouth. Who, when He was reviled, did not revile in return. When He suffered, He didn't threaten, but committed Himself to Him who judges righteously. Who Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So you were healed... On the basis of the blood that was shed and washed your sins away, but the intent, the purpose, and all of that—not just the washing away of sins, but to change our life, so that we will live for righteousness. So we began in our relationship with the Lord, having our sins washed away. But now, what? You know, the intention of God, His purpose is, His will for us is to live a life of righteousness. And then there's that deliverance. And I guess in terms of deliverance, I'm forward thinking because I know that as I'm living for Jesus, there's still also just that glimmer of heaven, right? In 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who were kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. What's ready to be revealed in the last time? Well, our salvation. Weren't you already saved? Yeah, but this is our eternal salvation being with the Lord forever and ever that has taken place as a result of Jesus's resurrection from the dead he is the first fruits of those who are resurrected from the dead meaning that just as he was resurrected so too we in him having been washed by his blood we're going to be resurrected too the first picture of that resurrection comes when we are raised right up out of that water in baptism we are raised to newness of life but that ultimate resurrection, coming forth out of the graves to be with the Lord, meeting Him in the air, being with Him forever and ever. Oh, that's what we aspire to. And then we are, of course, by virtue of being freed from sin and, you know, having, having that sense of looking forward for heaven someday, our deliverance, we are... I guess the simplest way to put it, biblically, is we're a redeemed people. I mean, the whole picture of that is having been bought back from being slaves to sin. In Ephesians chapter 5, in the beginning section of the talk of the comparison between Christ and the church and then the husband and the wife, in verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for her. That's it, isn't it? Now, the church, made up of us members, you individually, you're the beneficiary of that. You've had your sins washed away. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, as Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders, he's describes that same process to take heed to themselves, to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit had made them overseers, to shepherd the church of God, he says, which he purchased with his own blood. So there's all of that in the purposes of God, but it really comes down to this. And that is, if I am making the main thing the main thing, If I'm observing that, then it's not just a technical issue for me, it's not just scholarship of knowing what to do, it's doing it. And in that, with all the blood that's being shed and all the hope for heaven, is the idea of us being clothed with Jesus Christ, of putting Christ on. In Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 27, where as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He's referencing, of course, the seed promise back in verse 16, in which there are only two who are party to that promise. The one was Abraham, the originator, and then there is Christ. The only way I can become part and parcel to that promise is through Jesus being in Him. And here this text says that that takes place by putting Christ on in baptism. The result of that, again, thinking forward, thinking of heaven, thinking about living a righteous life, is what Paul says back in Galatians 2 verse 20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When it comes to a man's will and the decisions that he makes, a man's will is going to fail. God's will is going to prevail. Prevail. And I'm glad that it has, aren't you? Makes my salvation possible. God's will is also one of permanence. Now, you'll notice in our verse, verse 21, that not only we start at the beginning and went to the end, He is God, He's done something. He has established us. To establish something means to put it on a solid foundation. Okay. Here's something that I know about men. Men change. They change all the time. Had a friend who was a lawyer. Now I don't, I say that as in this guy was in my past tense history. I don't mean that I cut him off as a friend because he was a lawyer, okay? Peace, lawyers. (laughs) But had a friend who was a lawyer. And I went to his office and he was like, Man, I tell you what, I just I envy you preachers so much. He said, because as a lawyer, I have to know what's in all these books. He said, these books, and I'm telling you, it was wall-to-wall volumes. These books represent not only laws that have been written, but then addendums to laws, and then the law changes, or some aspect of the law changes. He says, I am continually having to study the law so that I can stay abreast of all the changes. (laughs) You know, men are not perfect. Even when they enact a law, eventually something happens that they begin scratching their heads and saying, wait a minute, you know, I know originally this law was meant to satisfy this, but times have changed, so the law needs to change. Okay, humans change, I get it. Men change, but brace yourself. God, God does not change. In the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 6, here's what God says of Himself I am the Lord, I do not change. Or more contemporary, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, this is speaking of Jesus. As regards Jesus, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever now let me tell you why that matters when it comes to men with all the changes if it takes a lawyer constant study of the law in order to stay abreast of it if you don't have a room full of law books then you are subject to breaking the law and didn't even know it but with God God doesn't change So what He has enacted in terms of purposes that we talked about a moment ago actually become permanent. That is, God's purpose, it doesn't fluctuate, it doesn't change. I don't have to think. Now, as I'm doing God's will, as I know it from the Bible right now, oh no, I wonder if that's changed. You don't have to wonder. It has not changed. If you have started off on the right course then stay the course, because that course is not going to change. Now, I know it's popular. People are constantly kicking back against the Word of God. They will insult upon insult the Word of God. Facebook and other social media is... Unless all your friends are are scripturally based, a lot of that... Junk in the media is totally against it or somehow trying to justify behavior and just stamp it with God's approval even if God didn't approve it here's the thing if it is with God it continues to be and it will continue to be God established his purposes and his purposes have continued on and now in Jesus Christ Having been washed by the blood of Jesus, you don't have to worry if that scenario is going to change. Is, is my baptism still good? You know, it, it, did the blood of Jesus somehow change? Has He changed the mechanism for my salvation? The answer is no. No, it is the same. Back to the lawyer. The lawyer said, I'm envious of you, preacher, because all you need to know is that book. What was ironic about that is that my, pre, uh, that my lawyer friend actually was not a Christian. And so I thought, wow, you know all of this, but you need to know this to minimize how great and powerful that message is. Have you had this experience? You study the Word of God and you learn something or you see something. Not that it's changed anything, but you see the depth of it. You see the reach of the Scriptures. It becomes more precious as the years go on, I'm sure. Simply from the satisfaction that we gain in the continuing refreshing of our minds related to the eternal purposes of God. We say all of these things backed by several statements that the Bible makes of itself. In the book of Jude, at verse 3, we find out that what has been delivered has been delivered once for all. So we're not looking for an addendum or something to add to the Word of God. In fact, that message that we have is inspired of God. And I love the way Paul puts it as he directs his attention to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, he says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God-breathed. It is literally the breath of God. Just as the breath of God brought about physical existence and, and equipped man with a very soul, so now the breath of God permeates the Scriptures. When I read those words, I am reading the mind of God directed toward me according to, as we've established already, His purposes. And God was so in favor and, and behind the message that was preached and the unfolding plan that He backed it up with certain testimony of His own. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved said fast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him? God also testifying both with signs, wonders, various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. God confirmed... The things that His Son said and that the apostles preached, God backed it up. Why would He do that? Well, because what was being delivered to men was a part of the unfolding plan and testament of God. The matter of salvation for all men everywhere. Those words that are being spoken that we're to put our trust in that are going to lead us to eternity are also the words that we are going to be judged by. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 48, He who rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. The words which I have spoken, the same will judge him in the last day. And I think about that last day. Most often when we think of the end... Well, we think about God's purposes and our salvation and how great a day that's going to be. If you were here yesterday for the funeral, Craig's funeral, you will have remembered the beautiful testament of a life lived for the Lord and of the anticipation of heaven someday. That's, that's what I think about. But in judgment, there is both the positive aspect of those who've been faithful and living for righteousness and serving the Lord all their lifetime and aspiring to what we talked about a moment ago, that salvation, that eternal salvation in heaven, yes! And then in contrast to that, is the other side of judgment. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning at verse 7, It says, yeah, the Lord is going to descend from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says these will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Those who do not obey the gospel, those who don't know God, those folks who have not laid hold to the permanence of God's will, have not taken the time to know the simple manifestation of His Word, equipped in Jesus testified of the Word's plainly spelled out. I, I did this many years ago. I, I read that you can actually, if, if you read through the New Testament scriptures, you can accomplish that in 19 hours. And so the church that we were a part of at that time, we put that challenge out there. We blocked out 19 hours In a day and we said we are going to read through the New Testament it was kind of a challenge to ourselves 19 hours read through the whole New Testament you say wait a minute I I thought it would take much longer than that it doesn't 19 hours to know the will of God. 19 hours to know God's expectation of me. To hear the word of Jesus. To hear the message, the inspired word, the God-breathed words related to my salvation. What a small price in terms of time to pay to know what God's will is. And yet what a devastating event that would be. To not know God and not obey the gospel and to be punished, separated from God for eternity. That also is permanence. God's will is also one of power. Not only did He say that one of the things He does is He establishes us, it also says that He has ordained or appointed us. He has anointed. Sometimes that word anointed is scary. That's the New Testament, New King James word. He's anointed us. Actually, the idea of anointing is not a scary prospect. The idea of anointing is taking something that is otherwise common and putting holiness on it. You might say that the idea of the anointing of us, uh, what he goes on in verse 22 to describe as being sealed and having the Spirit, that that whole thing of it being in our hearts and being a guarantee, the Scripture is describing a condition in which you and I as children of God have been set apart. We have been repurposed. We've been taken out of ungodliness and sinfulness and unrighteousness to serve the true and the living God. We have been anointed for a purpose in the sense that we've been set apart. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, the Scripture says that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may demonstrate or prove His righteousness in that. You once were not a people, but are now the people of God. You had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. You've gone from a position of being on the outside to being in a position on the inside. What changed? You changed as a result of God's setting you apart in your obedience to the gospel. When you obeyed to that gospel... Even the Holy Spirit, according to Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 14, gave testimony to the fact that you are His child. So, as we've been set apart in that condition, we need to realize that it didn't happen without our knowing it. It happened not because we could save ourselves, but because we couldn't save ourselves and had to depend on the lord in response to his message in first corinthians chapter 1 kind of the psychology of of that message is described beginning at verse 20. he says where is the wise where is the scribe where is the disputer of this age has not god made foolish the wisdom of this world for since in the Wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now you see that? It isn't according to human mentality or cleverness of the writers of Scripture it is a work of the power the manifestation of the mind of God in those scriptures uh, spoken by Jesus followed up by the Apostles testified to by God himself it's all in how we respond to that message is to whether or not that power of God's going to work in us Romans chapter 1 16 and 17 right The mechanism is going to be our belief. I I said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it's written, the just shall live by faith. I'm not ashamed of that gospel. He says, the gospel which is saving us, God's power to save is made possible only in the person who comes to it with belief. So, guess part of the mechanism is not that we just go out and start dunking people in water. <laughs> that, that won't do it. A person comes to faith that Jesus is the Son of God through hearing the Word, the inspired Word, and then in response to that, his belief that Jesus died for him, shed his blood, must wants to take advantage of that shed blood, right? Because that's what washes our sins away. We find out that, as we saw in Galatians 3, that blood's what washes our sins away in baptism. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, Do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. God's power, seen. In the gospel message, that message is typified for us in baptism. If I'm gonna to succumb to the will of God, then I'm gonna succumb because I see God's will, I see His way, and I'm submitting to Him in His time. Well, God's expectation of us is that the time is gonna be right now. We learn the truth. It should impress something on our very soul. And in response to that, we ought to be obedient. Accepting the truth, responding to it in obedience. Without it, without it, we are without hope. But with the blood of Jesus, we're brought near to God. Where are you in that? Where are you in terms of the will of God? Today, let's set our minds to making the main thing the main thing. So if you're a child of God and you faltered in some way, not been taking this seriously, not been walking in righteousness, walking in the light, today, repent of that. Let's pray about it. If you're not a child of God today, you can have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus, a plan that God established before the foundation of the world, and He has not wavered from it. You can be saved today, become a part of the body of Jesus Christ. Does anybody who needs to respond for any reason? Now is your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to, while we stand and sing together? My eyes are dry,
1: my
2: faith, faith is old.
0: This morning we will sing the old rugged cross
1: Does anyone need an emblem? If you do, raise your hand. In Acts 20, chapter and verse 7, it says the disciples came together to break bread on the first day of the week. Today's the first day of the week, so we're gathered here to remember Christ's death. Jesus, he took bread and he blessed it and he said, take, eat, this bread represents my body. So if you would, bow with me while we offer thanks for the bread. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful unto you for loving us and caring for us and allowing your son to come to this earth to die on Calvary's cross that we might have remission of our sins. We're thankful for this bread, which represents his body, that was broken there. We pray that you would be with us and help us to partake of it in a way that would please you. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. In Matthew, the 26th chapter, in verse uh, about 27, it said Jesus took the cup, and he blessed it, and he gave it to the disciples, and says, this is, represents my blood that was to be shed on Calvary. So as we partake of this, the fruit of the vine, which represents his blood there, let's remember the sacrifice that was made. And remember, without Christ's shed blood, we could never have remission of our sins. So if you would, bow with me. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful also unto you for this fruit of the vine, which represents Christ's blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. We're so very thankful that we have hope because that blood was shed there. Help us to remember the sacrifice he made and the benefits we have from from that sacrifice. Father, be with us as we partake of this, the fruit of the vine. Help us also to do this in a way that we'd be pleasing in your sight. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Separate and apart from the Lord's Supper, we're commanded to give on the first day of the week. The Bible tells us that we are to do it on the first day of the week, and we're to do it as we've prospered, as we've purposed in our heart. We're to do it with a cheerful attitude. There are several different ways that you can make a contribution to the church. Probably on the screen here behind me is some of, some of those ways, and of course, there's uh, baskets on, I guess, each door here where you can drop your check off if you'd like to do it that way. If you bow with me, let us offer thanks for the blessings that God has given us. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the country in which we live, for all the blessings and benefits we have as citizens of this country. We're thankful for the jobs that we have, for the abilities that we have to earn a living. We pray, Father, that as we give back a portion of those things that you've blessed us with, that we might do so with the right attitude. Help us always to be thankful for all the blessings, realizing that every good and every perfect gift comes from you. These things we ask in Christ's name, amen.
3: Good morning, I'm Todd Swinney. (laughs) Not really. If anyone is visiting this morning, we're very proud you're here. We hope you slide back anytime you have an opportunity. We had 124 here in the service this morning. Uh, The Bible Bowl will not meet tonight for the benefit of the ones watching. Uh, The devotional at the Landmark uh, on Sunday afternoons has been postponed until further notice. And... uh, Everybody plan to be back here uh, this afternoon at 5 for Kids Sing. And then we'll, of course, uh, go to class. Uh, And then the food pantry item this week is canned pasta. The food pantry and the clothes closet will be open January the 20th. The Free Hardman Associates will meet Thursday at seven in the annex. There will be a World Evangelism Workday on Friday, January the 28th in Winona. The bus will leave at 8 a.m. and return at 6 p.m. This is one of the congregations who would like Uh, If anyone in the uh, church would like to be a part of this, this is a good work and uh, uh, that will be the 28th of January. In anticipation of the birth of Lanny James Jumper, there's a table set up in the foyer for this baby girl shower gifts. Parents are Cameron and Jacqueline Jumper and they're registered at Walmart and Amazon. If there's not any more announcements, I will lead us in a closing prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for all you do for us. We thank you for the weather you give us. We thank you for allowing us to meet here. Go with us all as we depart today Take us home safely. Forgive us when we fail thee. God, guard, and direct us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.